Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Aaron Goff, owner of Goff Custom Knives, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Frank, from the Frank Brothers Guitar Company. How are you, mate? Howdy. I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I am tired. (laughs) Today was a really busy day. Holy shit. Yeah. You pushed me back half an hour. Yeah. God, I, I like started early today too. Well, Did you? early by my standards at least. <laughs> Do you want to share with people what early by your standards is? Uh, it was like 9.30 this morning. Oh, okay. That's really early for me. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm an evening person, honestly. So I normally like sleep in in the mornings. I get to the shop like 10, 10.30 and then I'll work until like 8, 9, something like that. That's good. How is that for your home life? Uh, good. Although it might have to get adjusted because... Previously, my girlfriend worked evenings. Oh, um, but now she's working days, so I may try to. And she's waking me up early anyway, so like I may have to push things forward a bit. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, How we work we until we work until six on right. most on weekdays, except for Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I work until whenever I please. <laughs> but I got a hard stop on at six on regular days. So I try to get in here early, but you know, I got a baby mm-hmm. and uh I bike to work because I live an active lifestyle and that <laughs> takes me a while. <laughs> yeah, I walk to work and this afternoon coming back because I was running late for our recording session, I was like sprinting up the hill. Because mm-hmm. you know how strict I am. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you were gonna beat me. Um, but yeah, so how uh, how's your week going? Good, just really busy. Um, like today was probably the busiest day. Um, today I fixed Millie's screen. I replaced it uh-huh. with a new LCD screen, which was nice. And I filmed the process of doing that, which always makes everything take a little bit longer. Right, but that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's great to have that fixed. You know, Millie's been down for the last week and a bit. So, how much of that are you going to have to edit of you being like, "Fuck"? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not too much. This is the second time I've done that process, so um, it took about two hours, start to finish. Well, yeah, I mean, two hours to do anything mm-hmm. off schedule like that you don't normally do is, is pretty good. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So. It's the sort of thing like where you're like, ah, oh, this will take me 30 minutes and then three hours later. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes, thankfully it wasn't like quite like that. And then 
right after that, I um, put together a pressure casting chamber, which I'm very excited about. A uh, little nervous. One of those things where, like, anytime you're making a pressure vessel, if you're not yeah. nervous, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you should have a uh, deep respect for that sort of thing. Oh, fear. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So pressure casting, basically, like if you're if you're casting epoxy or something, you can like vacuum degas the epoxy to get all the bubbles out. Mm -hmm. But then when you have to do that outside of your final product, you have to do it when it's like in the mixing cup. And then there's a pretty decent chance that you're going to get more bubbles when you're like pouring it into the final mold. Right. So pressure casting, basically, you just like mix the epoxy chuck it in the mold and then chuck the whole thing in um, a pressure chamber and fill it up with high pressure air from your air compressor, air compressor. And that crushes all the bubbles down to like nothing. Cool. Um, yeah. But the problem is that you can buy them cheaply, but it's just really not safe to do so. Like, right. Um, so if you buy like a, a tank for your air compressor, they have to be ASME coded, right? Like, so they have to be like certified, they're tested, all that kind of stuff. Um, it should be the same for these little pressure chambers, but there are tons of Chinese companies selling these on like Amazon. Interesting. You know, so you, yeah, you can buy one for like 160 bucks. And then if you read the reviews, people will be like, oh, you know, the bottom starts bulging out at like 60 PSI, but uh, it works pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, like I'm, that's my uh, one of my biggest fears is I, from early on when Tim and I bought like an old we bought a cheap air compressor off of like this guy from like on Kijiji in Halifax okay. and dude brought it over we were like cool this is good and then we started doing a little bit of research about like how they can be a little sketchy and then we started realizing how sketchy this particular one was it was like full right. of water it was all rusty mm. uh it looked like a cheap one in the first place Right. Uh, it didn't. We, it never actually worked, so that probably saved us. <laughs> the safest yeah, air compressor like, is one that doesn't work. <laughs> it's it's like a, it, it's like it feels like you have a big grenade in your shop. Well, and that's exactly what it is. So, like, I did the video. One of the things, or video of of making this process, and one of the things I said was like, you know, the way that a bomb works is you have rapidly expanding gas that fractures a casing, and then the expanding gas accelerates those fragments outward. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and and a, a shitty pressure vessel is exactly the same thing. You just have no idea when it's going to go off. Yeah, you know, How exciting. So, yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, I could buy an ASME coated pressure chamber, and they're like seventeen hundred dollars US or more. Um, yeah, which is pretty pricey. Um, but I'm only doing pretty small stuff, so I decided I would buy some uh, Schedule Forty three-inch NPT pipe off McMaster. So you're making a pipe bomb. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but yeah, with like that with all the fittings was like 250 bucks. Uh, everything's rated to a working pressure 150 PSI. And I looked up the actual like burst pressure of the pipe and the fittings. And it's like 2000 PSI, oh, like okay. the safety margin is. I was going to say, because you could bump it up to getting schedule what is it 80 or something that's like yeah. the thick walled stuff yeah but if you don't yeah. have to great no it seems like overkill Probably, in this yeah. case yeah so i've put a, a safety relief valve on it uh that pops 125 psi mm -hmm. i have a nice little needle valve to fill it slowly 
so you don't disturb the epoxy. And it do seems you have like a, it's good to go. Do you have a, um, a gauge on it? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I, I, as soon as I built it, I was like, I wonder what would happen if I put a banana in this thing. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm actually, I'm genuinely thinking you can get some um, sight glasses that oh, yeah. are, you know, pressure rated. And so you could see into the chamber. I, I think I may actually replace the capped end with a reducer and a sight glass. That's and then, a hilarious idea. Have you ever seen that YouTube channel, uh, the hydraulic press channel? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I've, I've seen those, those hydraulic press videos on yeah. like Instagram. So I think maybe I'll start a, a YouTube channel, the the high pressure channel. Oh, I and like just it. crush things in the pressure chamber. If you get Queen on board, you could get that song under pressure. There you go. Um, <laughs> that's a great idea. I would love to see things get crushed. Right, and I'm I'm sure that there would be some like really strange reactions. For you sure, know, like maybe banana would just get tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? Uh, what else could we do? A grape. A grape ah, now I'm on the fruit train. Yeah. Now all I can think about is fruit. I was thinking like, you know, ping pong balls, tennis balls, uh, golf balls, all the balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You do have a kink around crushing balls. Mm-hmm. Um, how big is it? Three inches? It's three inch MPT, which means that the inside diameter, I think it's just a little bit over three inches. Okay. Is a tennis ball? Under I don't know inches? if it'll fit. I don't know if that would fit. Mm. I'm like looking around my my desk. Like, what can we crush? What stuff can I crush? <laughs> well, that's exciting. Cool. Um, and so that's going to you're going to be casting your handle scales in that. Yeah, not the entire handle scale, just the glow in the dark right. lino. Yeah, that's um, what I figured. Yeah, but that will like I could have built a vacuum chamber instead, but um, you know you run the risk of introducing bubbles when you're doing the pour. And it's actually kind of a fussy process to do it in the vacuum chamber because the the mixture expands like bread dough when you re- when you release the pressure. Um, hmm. So you have to like you know have a big cup to make sure it doesn't overflow, and then you have to like wait for it to whatever. Like the pressure chamber just seemed like a much faster. Yeah, the other way process. sounds messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the inside of it is three and one sixteenth inch diameter. Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty decent sized. Where the hell did they get three inch? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, these imperial measurements, they don't make any sense. Mm. What have you been up to? Um, man, I don't even know. Um, I've been just trying to pump through this batch that I'm working on, which is mm. going well. Um, I'm like desperate to to be transitioning. We're we're, we're never making another body on on the axes okay um that has been established and we've made great progress on the body stuff nice but it's i'm just so much more aware of how slow things are running going on the axes now on the router right yeah versus the hoss yeah versus the hoss so i'm you know i'm, I'm gonna keep building necks on it but um yeah it's just like it's just been slow going but same as it ever is like mm-hmm. good good progress good results just you gotta work for them yeah totally. um but we've got like some really cool guitars on order you know we do like everything custom so i've got you know a, uh, 
a neck that I'm working on right now that's got Brazilian rosewood fretboard and headstock. Brazilian rosewood's like super um, regulated. It's like ivory, so right. you have to. It's got to have permits and stuff. I'm doing one that's roasted bird's eye maple fretboard and headstock. Oh, cool! Which is really cool. So they actually they basically put the the wood into a vacuum kiln mm. and toast it. And it like if you get roasted maple, it smells like maple syrup. Oh, which nice. is great. So I, in rosewood, the reason they call it rosewood is because it smells like roses. Mm. So I've it like smelled amazing in the shop <laughs> the other day. Uh, like coffee and roses. Yeah. Maple syrup. It was great. And then, yeah, just like lots of custom and like this batch is, has a lot of kind of finicky little custom things. Like we do this thing called tortoise shell purfling. Mm. A purple is like a, a very thin banding or um inside of the the trim of a guitar right inside the binding right yeah inside the the binding right um so just finicky stuff that takes time but stuff i really enjoy Hmm. and the end result is good like yeah totally but uh yeah that's what i've been working on um and um yeah Wow. So is this That's... the first time you're doing a batch of work rather than a It's not. Work? I've tried it before. Right. But this is like the first official one, I guess? Yes. Right. And it is working. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, stuff just inevitably gets pushed pushed ahead. Yeah, sure. So... You know, like I just didn't get through the entire batch of one step. So I'm working on like two, four, six, seven guitars. Right. I didn't get through putting uh, headstock and truss rods, headstock overlays, truss rods into all seven necks. So I'm like, right. well, let, let me just re-strategize. I could could get it done today. So I'm going to move these tech. I'm going to you know prioritize these two guitars. Um, they had the long, they had the shortest like lead time currently. Um, so I'm going to push these ahead. So yes, I'm still working on a batch, but I, I made some concessions, pushed a few guitars through for first right. then. Cause I also need to feed like the guys on the other, yeah, yeah. you know, stations. So I need well, to get guitars to them. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like the hardest bit with a process change like that is kind of getting ahead of things so that exactly. you have a bit of a buffer. Yeah. You know, like if you had a stock, like you, you've been talking about kind of keeping stock of the individual components, like being your own customer. Yes. Um, so that's where I'm, that's where I'm failing. Yeah. But I haven't had have any stock yet to do yeah. that. But yeah. I think the Haas is going to change that. Like, um, with new tooling, so, uh, end mills or, or insert mills, like a coffee mill or, uh, mm-hmm. a surface, um, What's the word? Surface mill? Um, face mill. Face mill. Thank you. <laughs> um, things like that. They're, like we're, we're super, we're, we're really prioritizing um, machining time, uh, like right. reducing machining time. Right. So uh, that, that will get to us, to us to a point where I'm like, I want to be able to do 10 bodies in a day. No problem. Oh, yeah. I like think he'll get there. Twelve really bodies, quick. In a day, something like that. You know, um, then then I can front load 
all this prep work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would think that you'll get there. I think that you will get to the point where it's a lot faster than that. Yeah. Like uh, down to like a 30 minute cycle time or something. Well, Mark's already got the, the body program. Cause I think he's shaved like 11 minutes off of it. It's now like 20 minutes. Right. Um, and we still don't even have those, that tooling yet. So right. there's tons of time savings to be had. Mm, and then just cool, loading parts is going to be way faster. Right. And then I guess that you're talking about doing some like prep work on the raw material on the same day or is that not included? Um, no, I, I, I'm thinking, well, you, you know, you take a piece of, well, I would like to have a body blank, which is the two pieces of wood joined together that we make a guitar body out of. Right. Those are all pre-made. That's, that's something we currently stock. Right. You just have to pass it across the jointer, which makes something flat once. Right. And then it's good to go. Okay. So that would be the only thing that I would do. And I could do that, you know, I pass, I, I do, I joint the surface of one, get it on the machine while it's running, joint the next few, you know, get a little right. bit of a, a flow going there. Um, I think we're close. I think we're really closing in on getting this thing going. Right. And then, nice. then we got to move on to next. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're making solid progress. So looking yeah. forward to seeing some ultra speed I think some super, super speed. speed. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. And also we're going to have to, I talked to Haas today about uh, getting the high speed machining. Mm. What did they say? Said, just give us $3,500. We'll give you a code. <laughs> All right. So that's what you expected. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't think I'm going to score that 15% off that I had when I. Damn. Bought the machine. But So there you go. If you're buying a Haas, just buy the high speed machine. Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing, though, is it did save us $3,500 in cash at the time. Mm, mm -hmm. So something else to consider. I mean, we did get 200 free hours. If it, you think about it, I mean, maybe... Yeah, 200 hours could last you potentially yeah, months. We could lead, you know, we could use that right up to the last minute and then buy it. He said, he said you give me, he, you guys, when you need it, I'll get that, that code immediately. Right. That's so, nice, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the price could go up on it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They might raise the oh, price. Oh, the stock exchange says today yeah, high-speed exactly. machining is uh, $5,500. Yeah. <laughs> right. HSM on the ticker. <laughs> yeah, I've been slammed as well. Just like, so a couple of weeks ago, or about a month ago now, I guess, I sent out an email to all of my customers announcing that I was doing the custom color combinations for my mm -hmm. handle scales. So I had more orders than usual. Great. But yeah, which was fantastic. The only problem is at the same time, my girlfriend was away um, at the cottage with her mom, which is like the only person that she sees during COVID. Mm -hmm. And that meant that I was looking after the dog and looking after the house. So I had like more than a week of not being able to, yeah, not being able to be out of the house for more than seven hours right. at a time because I had to come home and walk the dog. And that coincided with that um, time. So I ended up just trying to make the best of it and work on the kitchen knife. And that meant that I got like more than a week and a half behind production. And then I got slammed with extra orders. So I'm kind of eating eating it right now. I'm just like, you know, working as fast as I can. And I'm, I'm kind of like 
just treading water, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And still trying to get other stuff. Like I, I have other things that I have to do. Like this, the pressure casting chamber, the reason I need to do that ASAP is because I have a customer that's been waiting since November mm-hmm. for these glow in the dark scales, which were going to be easy, quote unquote. <laughs> you, know? you made it complicated. Well, <sighs> but out of necessity, because you have a high standard. Yes. Yeah. If I'd been fine. So the reason that I'm chasing this crazy process down is that um, if I wanted to do just a layer of um, glow, glow in the dark powder, then it'd be totally fine. So you basically you mix up a really sloppy mixture of epoxy and glow in the dark. You pour it in there. The glow in the dark settles to the bottom and then you end up with a layer of glow in the dark. Right. And then the rest of it's just a translucent epoxy, which might be cool on its own. Yeah, it actually looks cool with the translucent G10. That looks great. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I went to the opaque G10, he specifically wanted black G10 with the glow in the dark liner. Like that's oh, the liner is glow in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because didn't you do the glow in the dark handles? Like that. Well, that was stick? actually just the liner, oh. and then it was glowing through translucent G10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And that looks super cool. Yeah. But as soon as I went to the the opaque, like the black uh, handle scale that layer of glow just looked like shit. So <laughs> I've been like trying to get it to be solid glow, like right. all the way through the liner. And then, yeah, as you know, you have to have like more, basically what I'm doing is like packing it full of powder and mixing it with just enough epoxy to make it pourable. Uh-huh. Um, and what, how is the like quality of that material like is does it machine well still yeah it actually machines really nicely okay sweet um the really the only issue that i have is just the voids like bubbles right um because the mixture ends up being so thick that it won't release bubbles so that has led to this crazy pressure chamber thing and then yeah all right so you've you've chased this uh down the rabbit hole yeah 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 but the results are going to be sweet and then is this going to be a standard offering yeah, absolutely. Because okay. well. it's one of those things where it's like, it's a pain in the ass and it's been kind of expensive to get set up. Like if I knew exactly what I was doing right from the start, then it would have been pretty quick. I would have just built the equipment and I'd be good to go. Yeah, you'd need that learning curve. You need to yeah. fail first. Yeah, 100%. But um, the pressure casting versus like vacuum degassing, it, it seems like it's kind of like a, a one and done. You know, you mix, you don't have to be really careful with getting bubbles in or anything. You pour it in and then you slap it in the pressure chamber and pressurize it and just wait. You know, mm-hmm. you just leave it in there for 24 hours and then it's good to go. Um, whereas the pressure, uh, sorry, vacuum degassing seems like it's going to be very fussy. You know, you have to maintain your vacuum pump. You have to be careful not to get resin into the pump. Right. You know, you, ha- you have to sit there and babysit the process and blah, blah, blah. So it seems like the pressure chamber will just be like a piece of equipment I never have to think about or maintain. Um, it'll just work, you know, mm-hmm. which is sweet until it blows up. <laughs> and I hope not. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood right now. Um, and yeah, one of the other things I want to do with it is actually, uh, stabilize wood. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Before cool when you were idea. saying the toasted maple, like I'm really curious to find out who your supplier is for that, because I would love to take like ultra dried maple or, you know, Wenge or some other hardwood like that. That's been, you know, vacuum heat treated basically Mm -hmm. and then um so i I have these ultra high molecular weight polyethylene molds 
that I'm making. That was a bit of, I'll tell you that story in a minute. I was trying to make them before I came home just now uh-huh. and it was a hilarious failure. I destroyed a bunch <laughs> of material. Um, but the idea is you would put like a slab of material in this little kind of boat, like this mold, um, you know, pour the epoxy on top of it, then chuck it in the pressure chamber. And that should, you know, in the case of wood, that should force the epoxy into all of the pores on sure. the wood. Yeah, yeah. Theoretically. I feel like I've seen this before. They People do it with vacuum. Like lots of yeah, knife makers okay. do it with vacuum, but I haven't seen anyone doing it with pressure. I don't think. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's probably someone that does. Well, so like the wood we use doesn't really have voids. You know, it's por- It's maybe porous, but maple isn't porous. Right. So I don't know where that stuff would go. Well, I mean, all wood is porous on a microscopic level. Yeah. But... Right. Then if, if the pressure is high enough and the epoxy is thin enough, then it'll right. get in there. So it'll have to be... Okay, so you're just you're not talking about making it an aesthetic effect. You're talking about just making it plasticizing it. Yes. Yeah. Basically turning it into G ten. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I yeah. mean I've got again, I've got scraps that you can try that on. I'd love to see the results. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll after when next time I'm walking down, mm-hmm. I'll have to come get some. Because oh yeah, I think that'd be really cool. It'd be a really unique offering. Um just the reason I haven't offered wood in the past is because, you know, it shrinks and and moves so much that yeah. when I have that next to steel or G10, um, it's going to ruin the fit and finish when it moves. Totally, totally. You and know? a lot of people, I guess, you know, like my mom has had a like Henkel kitchen knife since she got it as like a wedding present. And, like, mm-hmm. The handle scales are just like tiny, <laughs> right? <laughs> Compared they to shrunk the, a lot, like yeah, and you know because it gets wet. Mm-hmm. and dries and gets wet and dries and it's like all warped and crazy and the knife like is kind of wrecked yeah it's a bit of a bummer yeah. so if you can if you can remove that natural element from it but still get the beauty yeah then it would be perfect right so i think that would be amazing so yeah that that was kind of the other thing that i had in mind when making this pressure chamber i've been thinking cool. about trying that process for a long time so two birds with one stone very nice, very nice. Um, mm-hmm. I got to do one thing real quick. I have to take a f- guitar out of the freezer. <laughs> okay. I'll explain in one second. Please. Okay, be right back. <laughs> and I'm back. How big is your freezer? Is this like a regular <laughs> freezer? It's a, it, it looks like a refrigerator. It's vertical. Oh, wow. But it's just a single door freezer. And, and you reason... clearly got this to put guitars in. I, we did. What the hell? Why do you have to put a guitar in a freezer? Because um, <laughs> it's ice cold, baby. Oh. Uh, so one of the finish options we offer is a checked finish. We call oh. it a light relic. Right. Finish and this checking. is something that like makes it look antique, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say antique. Um, Vintage. It, it makes it, we call it closet classic. So mm. as if somebody took a guitar that they bought in 1960, left it in a closet right. for 60 years. Right. It looks, it hasn't been marked mm. by playware, but the finish has had this natural process where that happens to nitrocellulose, which is the, the, the finish we use, where that, it's a, um, uh, the the finish is off gassing the 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 
it's an um the solvent right is over years gassing off hmm. and that makes the finish shrink i guess right? it makes makes the finish shrink and what happens is the finish cracks it gets this crackle effect that we call checking right uh and so we force that and the way we do that is we use a lacquer that has less um uh plasticizer in it plasticizer is what makes lacquer flexible so right. most people don't want the, the lacquer to check you know right. you would you wouldn't be, you'd be pissed if your car finish <laughs> got the crackle got crackle the crackle effect. effect yeah right you know but uh guitar players have grown to love the aesthetic of it mm. um so by using a, a finish with less of this plasticizer it becomes it's a little bit more um less flexible right and then we do a process it's like a tim does it it's a there's a, a few different ways he goes about it but part one of the the aspects is putting it in the freezer and that um that temperature shock hmm. will help spread this these cracks all across the guitar it's very finicky he's got a, he's got a very like time uh sensitive process that involves right. several different <laughs> you know um stages yes thank you yeah yeah, and that's one of them. Anyway, cool. so he had to he had to take off, and he was like, "I'd left the, the guitar in the freezer. <laughs> you need to pull it out in thirty minutes." Right. So Amazing. that's why we have a freezer with a guitar in it. <laughs> right. Very cool. Yeah, I've seen that effect on your Instagram, and I honestly just never thought about how you did it. I was just like, "Oh, that looks cool." Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some in everyone's got a different way of doing mm -hmm. it. So, you know, people use freezers, people use, some people will just score it with a razor blade to make it look like that. It's, mm. That's happened. Yeah. Um, and this is cool because it just is, it is natural. Like right. we can't control it really. We've gotten to a point where we can control the way it cracks, but you can't be like, oh, I want to crack here. Right. Anyways, that's part of the, the beauty of it, I think, right? It worked great. I just looked at it quickly and it's, nice. all, it's all cracked. <laughs> in the right way you want cracks you know in a certain in a certain style yeah totally so uh cool. that's yeah that's what i've been working on um nice. yeah i got uh sorry go ahead oh I just it's i was just gonna say yeah it's just been a crazy week it's just been like i don't know where the time has gone i'm sure you, you have weeks like that yeah i feel like every time we talk we're like oh it's halfway through the week already it's mm -hmm. like flies by man like owning a small business like you just there's things coming at you from every direction you know like yes there's a lot of things just besides the manufacturing yeah yeah it's too mean, bad <laughs> yeah i kind of wish that everything else would just take care of itself but yeah. yeah i mean right now i'm juggling production kitchen knife stuff and then like the glow in the dark stuff as well you know and then millie's screen broke so i had to fix that you know it's just it's always something Mm -hmm. yeah uh and there's just not enough not enough hours in the day boy are we no. griping or what oh yeah you gotta gripe you gotta <laughs> gripe buddy. speaking of griping we have um a listener sent me a correction from last week's episode how dare you sir how dare you <laughs> no it's we were talking about sk versus er collets uh-huh and he's totally right he he corrected me that er collets have greater grip and SK collets are supposed to have better run out. 
Oh, okay. And that's specifically what it says on the Marital website. So 100%. The reason that I was thinking that SK Collets had more grip is because I've kind of seen other manufacturers claim that. You know, they show like a cut with um, an ER collet and the tool is like chattering and, and, you know, building up a lot of resonance and taking really horrible chips. And then they take the same cut with an SK collet and, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I don't know. I think that's one of those areas where it's like different manufacturers will claim different benefits. Um, and, you know, part of it may be that they're holding different tolerances. Um so I I don't know, you know, like SK is supposed to have better run out for sure. Grip, I think that depends on the manufacturer, what they say. Um, part of it too is, uh, so I think the other system that I was looking at where the manufacturer was claiming higher grip, they actually have a different nut. So the inside of the nut is actually coated with an anti-friction coating like, like DLC. Oh. That's supposed to kind of act like a ball bearing and allow you to get a lot more torque on the SK collet, which in turn uh, turns into grip. Could they put that on a ER collet and have even better grip? Possibly. So <laughs> you can actually get ball bearing ER collets, um, which serve the same purpose. Basically, they you know allow rotation more easily. Because normally the, the interface between the collet and the nut is you know causing a lot of friction, which... Right limits the amount of torque you can get into the nut. Um, and the other thing is too, when you're applying that rotational torque to the collet, there's a certain amount of like wind up and like twisting in the right. collet. And that's supposed to be bad for run out. So systems uh. like this that have like a ball bearing nut um, or, you know, some sort of reduced friction between the nut and the collet, however they achieve it, it's supposed to give you better run out as well. So you know, I do know that Maritool are introducing a high torque SK collet nut soon. So maybe that will change the, the balance, you know. So, yeah, I totally. Um, so it was DM Ron 101 on, on Instagram that sent in the correction. So thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, I think in this case, it's just it's like a back and forth depending on the manufacturer and the type of nut and and so on, you know. Um yeah, I don't. I don't, I really. I don't. Haven't seen any numbers. Mm. Um, you should just test it for yourself. Maybe actually, there is one video floating around where they they put a big ass torque wrench, like eight eight feet long handle torque wrench, <laughs> on um, like a half inch pin that's held in an ER collet versus an SK collet, and I think in that case they claimed that the SK collet had more grip. Interesting. How do they keep it? precisely you know like from twisting it i feel like an eight you got an eight foot well that's what le- they're doing lever yeah but you're you you're twisting it you're rotating yeah but how do you keep it from putting any um do you know what i mean like pressure? i guess just the the length of the the grip in the collet kind of stops the pin from from twisting but yeah you're right there, there's t- you could totally you could torque it the wrong way do you know what i mean you know i what think mean? you know because the length of the lever would be pretty obvious if they were like pushing it up or down rather than just rotating it right um interesting yeah. experiment though mm-hmm. so yeah i think um you know dm run is correct that on the marital website it specifically says that er collets have more grip than sk mm-hmm. however i think 
that balance varies across mm. different manufacturers and also the type of nut that you have. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you got called out on your bullshit, Aaron. I got called out hundred percent. And you know what, man? Like I appreciate that because whenever you're wrong, it gives you an opportunity to learn new stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. In that case, I actually just like misremembered. I kind of like swapped in my head the, the two things. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good for me to, to not <laughs> misremember things. But yeah, I'll see if I can find um, some of the videos that were comparing ER and SK collets from other manufacturers. I just want to see this eight foot long torque wrench. I think it was eight feet. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm over exaggerating. Um, but yeah, I'll see if I can find the video because yeah, as you know, as I said, it's super interesting. Um, and they, the other video, they were doing like full slotting cuts in uh, steel with a half inch end mill. And then showing the chips, and you could actually see on the ER collet there was like a feather along the edge of the chip because the tool was vibrating so much. Wow. Whereas the SK collet was like smooth. And you could hear the difference in the cut too, right? So yeah, well, I'll I'll try and post uh some of the videos. Um yeah, well, yeah. I'm I'm I like the the idea of the SK, it looks cool and everything. It's this for us, like we've been like cutting through mahogany is just like butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compared to like steel or, you know, 4140, like heat treated steel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. We don't, we have to resist getting too fancy with our tool holding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I said that I thought for you, end mill holders would be perfect because you have really long tool life, which means you're not going to be like replacing tools all the time. Um, you know, it doesn't have any slots or anything for the dust to get into. So yeah. when you do have to change, it's going to be super easy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully on board with the idea, and I've been looking. You know, we talked about um, use, finding different tool suppliers or mm-hmm. tool manufacturers, and I have been on the hunt, and I've noticed some of them list the uh, shank rating, like the tolerance, right. shank tolerance, because so that's the thing that you're worried about. Is that, that is the if thing the shank I'm was too about. small, then the end mill holder wouldn't work properly. So yeah, yes. I totally get that. So if that is listed and it's or it's rated or i can find out the rating then i'd be way more inclined to just to do that because i love right. the idea again like i you know as a proponent of not having a an er call it set <laughs> yeah might be right. a dumb thing uh to be a proponent of no um, it is a dumb thing but that's fine <laughs> uh i i i mean just we just we just are we don't need yeah five sixteenth inch call it well, and you're not a job shop. Like yes. your your tooling isn't going to change very much. So I I do understand it. I still think it's dumb, but I understand. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think a couple of episodes ago, I said to you that you should reach out to Frank at Maritool and and ask him about the specialist tooling that you have. You know whether it's something that he would want to stock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually after right after we recorded that email, sorry that episode. I sent an email to Frank because I was like, is this something I should say on the podcast? Like, do you want people to know that you're making like special tools for me? You're going to get swamped with requests. And he was like, no, man, bring it on. Like, you know, whatever I can do to help, if we can, if we can have them made, we'll, we'll do it. So I I don't know if you've reached out to Frank yet, but you totally should. I haven't. Well, love love his name. Frank? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there you go there's a connection there. he might want one of our t-shirts <laughs> um no i i mean i should because i don't think what we use is crazy what we're, no. what we're currently using we've we i love 
like the ease of of using his website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did reach out to Harvey Helical. Haven't heard mm. back. Uh, right. <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah. Speaking of um, tooling disasters, so I um, I think I said to you last week that I've been looking into ceramic fiber brushes for yes. finishing in the yeah. machine. Very interested in that. Yeah. So I reached out to the Canadian distributor for those and I sent them an email and two weeks went past and I didn't hear anything. So mm-hmm. I call their head office. Their head office, you know, asks me where I'm calling from. And then they send me to another location that's like a half hour drive away. Like, why do they have multiple offices that are <laughs> like, you know, an hour, half hour drive apart from each other? Anyway, so I talked to the other office. They tell me I have to talk to, talk to a certain sales rep inside the office. Who's and not there me, right now. He's not there right now. Mm-hmm. I have to give him the, you know, they give him my email address. I have to like send an email. So I send an email. Two days later, I hear, oh yeah, you know, look at the catalog. I look at the catalog and I send it, you know, like this whole process is now like three weeks, mm-hmm. you know? And so now I know that, that they're not cheap is what I know now. And I figured that was the case, but like, so it's like 500 bucks to get it set up with one brush and one holder. Yeah. Yeah. So not cheap. But and like, how, yeah. A what big the... part of that cost has to be the, the distributor. Oh, You know, yeah. like there's no way that they're going through all of this for less than like 25%. No. You know? So yeah, I just find it very frustrating. Like maybe I, I you know, maybe I should talk to Frank about trying to see if he can stock brushes. Like I would. 100% buy well, them from him. I know. I, I mean, I saw he reposted your stuff and like tagged knife making and mm-hmm. I, it's probably a, I don't know if it's a, a small subsection of the industry he serves. Very small, I think. Um, but, it, you know, it, to be, it's sometimes good to have these niche little things. Yeah, 100%. So well, it was, it was interesting, you know, like, um, so one of my fellow knife makers, John Grimsmo, who's also in Canada, um, you know, he and I know each other. We're not like best of friends, but like, I've got his number. I can text him, you know? And in this case, he, um, that, that's, that's a weird flex, isn't it? I've got <laughs> his the... number. I've got his number. You should, uh, tell everybody it right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, five, so... five, five, four, one. <laughs> No, no, it's, you know, it's just nice. If I have a question or whatever, you know, I can send, send it to, to have friends in the industry. A hundred percent, you know, and like a little while ago, I was thinking about selling my vibratory tumbler and I was like, is this something you want? You know, like, it's just nice. As you said, it's nice to have friends in the industry. So, but he posted on that post on, um, Marital's Instagram and was like, holy shit, that's a good price for an end mill like that mm-hmm. for the oh, eight yeah. foot, you know, and I don't think. As far as I know, he doesn't buy any tooling from Maritool previously, and then maybe now he will. So, well, I was on, I was checking out Lakeshore Carbide after you mm. mentioned them because I'd heard of them before, and they sell a, a double like that's a, it's a weird tool that will radius the spot spline of a yes, the the John Grimsmo tool, and that's how it was presented. Yeah, and I was like, oh, and they have a whole like they have a like tooling, it's like a a, a tab. It's like mm-hmm. knife making. Yeah, because I think that John has had them make a bunch of specials for him in the mm-hmm. past. Um, and I guess, you know, he has the same relationship with Lakeshore that I do with Marital. I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, they'll make stuff for him. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I think it's super nice to have suppliers that you know. 
you know, oh, that yeah. have a vested interest in your success and you have a vested interest in their success. You know, it's mm -hmm. so nice. Also, the reason I was talking to Haas today is because he called me, Fabrizio. Mm. And I, you know what? I, I appreciate that. Like, um, Cole, see how you're going. And... He's not like, he knows I'm not going to buy another CNC right now. Maybe I will <laughs> right. in the future. Right. Uh, it's, it, but it's a level of dedication to, to your customer's success. 100%. And, you know, if you do end up buying another machine, like, he wants you to have had a good experience with Haas. Totally. So that you'll buy another Haas. Yeah. I don't I mean, know if you can hear my dogs grumbling in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> she's that's, she's yeah. very sad. She's a Fidal girl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's sad we're talking about Haas's. Um, yeah. No, it's a good lesson, though, as a business owner. Like, you know, I wish I had more time for this. But mm. that customer experience is so important. And we do try. We, we really try yeah. to make that an important like facet of our business, but it takes time. And this guy is a dedicated salesperson, so he's got you know that's part of his job. Yep. Uh, you know we're we're scrambling to do a little bit of everything. You know, you ship out a knife, and you're like, okay, done. Now I can move on to the next thing. Yeah, you know? I actually I try to. So the online store platform that I use, Shopify, has a an abandoned cart. Um, function. So basically, if someone puts something in their shopping cart, then you can say, okay, if they don't check out within 24 hours, then send them an email. Yes. You know? yeah. And a lot of companies that are selling, like, I don't know, shit they buy from China will say, like, you know, oh, someone's put something in their cart, but they haven't bought it in 24 hours. So we'll send them a 5% discount and that'll try and get them to sell it, okay, to, yeah. to buy it, you know. So what I did instead was actually take that as an opportunity to kind of introduce myself to the customer oh. and say like, oh, you know, hey, my name's Aaron. Like, um, I saw that you added a knife to your cart on my store, but you didn't make a purchase. Like, was there anything else I could do? And it's literally written like that. It's very conversational. Mm -hmm. So even though it's an automated email, it feels very personal. And if they respond to it, it goes straight to me and I'll write back to them. You know, and it does become personal, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's lots of little opportunities to do stuff like that. I do the, the same thing with, like, I include a, a use and care sheet with every one of my knives now. That's great. And I sign it by hand, and it says, you know, if you have any feedback, please, um, you know, call me or email me or, or whatever. So, like, yeah, you know, I think there are opportunities to kind of, like, high value, low effort. Yeah. You know, well, like, so we, we just shipped out a guitar. And it was a customer, you know, we, it's always great when we can build a relationship with the customer and it yeah. happens all, often, most, yeah. most of the time we've got these, you know, relationships with these customers and, um, we always really appreciate their support. And yeah. this time yeah. I was like, I had a second, I was sitting at my the table. I just filled out his spec, uh, his certificate of authenticity, right. which has like a spec element to it where we write down all the, the specs, the weight, the neck thickness at that two points mm -hmm. it's all handwritten and i was like i'm just gonna write this guy a little note just to say thanks yeah yeah and i did and it made me feel really good because i was like you know true i'm truly thankful when anybody makes a purchase of one of our instruments yeah and it made me feel good to know that he's gonna receive this guitar and and know how how much it meant to us totally um anyways he called me today Nice. He didn't mention that specifically, but he just was, he was very like appreciative of everything we, like all, all the work we put into the instrument. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think being 
appreciative of the support of your customers is a super important thing. Yeah. I, like, I really say that too, you know? A hundred percent, man. hundred percent. That's really nice. That's, yeah. I Now we're talking business. I think that's a honestly a great way to approach the business, you know? Yeah. I mean, be, be humanistic. Be, yeah. Um, be real. Yeah. hundred percent. It comes, it, it, it'll, you know, if you're not being real, it's, it's obvious too. If you're, you know, if I, like that was, I guess even, you know what, like Catherine, like my wife bought something online from somebody who's probably shipping, uh, you know, 10, 20 things a day off like Etsy. And they right. included a little thank you note that was just t- like, pre- like printed. It's the same yeah. note, hand signed. Still actually was like nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally. It was a lower value item. So even that little bit extra effort made a, made a bit of a difference. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I do. Like I fill out all the authenticity certificates by hand, but I just you know have a little thank you letter. Um, One thing that I do want to do is to put that thank you letter on nicer paper. Right now, it's just on printer paper. Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't feel very special. But that's good that you still did it because that's literally I'd had this idea before. I'd had this urge to to write this thank you note before. Mm -hmm. I was always like, well, I you know I need to get them printed on like nice paper. And I literally just had a post-it note and I wrote it on that. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm friendly yeah. with this guy. He'll, he'll, he'll get over the fact that it's written on a post-it note. Um, I actually, I ordered a record of, off of, um, online. I forget what the, the name of the site is, right. but, um, on every Friday, they they put a hundred percent of the, um, or occasionally on Fridays they put a hundred, give a hundred percent of the profits of the record sale to directly to the artist. Oh, anyway, wow. so I was like, I bought a record, and the guy wrote me a nice thank you note on That's a awesome. on a post-it note. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what, man? Like, I'm sure you've heard that saying that like perfection is the enemy of the good. Sure. Like, you know, if you, and I experience this all the time and I'm pretty sure you do as well. Like we are perfectionists. We want everything to be perfect. But if you wait until it's going to be perfect, it just never fucking gets done. It's too late. Yeah. 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 It's a good lesson. I I need to learn that more. Because I'm constantly, I'm I'm, uh, always held back by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. So, um, you know, as I said, um, I recently rolled out the custom color combinations to, to everyone. So right now I have 3,500 different possible combinations of the resume. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I like that you yeah. did that math. I I should ask you the, your formula because I want to do that. Oh, it's very, very easy. You just do, you know, like if so for you guys, it'd be like the number of headstock overlays times the number of fretboard options times the number of finishes times the, or you just do, you know, each option times every other option. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Um, but like in the future, so if if I roll out all of the options that I would like to, it's going to be like thirty five thousand right. options. Um, and you know, I, I was aware going into this that my organization, my current level of organization, like the way I'm organizing everything, isn't up to the task of managing that. Right. But you know, if I'd waited until it was, then it never would have happened. So instead, I'm I'm using the pressure of organizing this um, to force me to, to to you know like build processes to handle the complication, right? Um, 
Yeah. So, you know, like I sent you a photo the other day of that like thermal label. Yeah. So I've got like a thermal label printer. I'm printing this pro. little label for each of my boxes. Yeah, no, it looks great. So it has like on the outside, it's a little obfuscated because I don't want people to look at it and be like, oh, that's a knife. You know, so instead of saying like blade, it says BLA. Right. right? It's, it's obvious what it is if you're looking at it. But, you know, so I have an option, uh, a place for blade, scale, liner, sheath. And then the serial number, and I just fill each one out by hand. And then on the inside, it tells you the like, um, you know, environmental responsibility steps that I'm taking as part of making that knife. And yeah, it's, it's super easy. That was like an hour to to design, cool. and now I can just print them on demand. And now it's just and now every knife comes with that. Yeah, which is really really nice. I like that. I love that cherry red. Oh, it's so good, right? Mm-hmm. I I have a I like red I like red guitars mm-hmm. we don't do a ton but every time I'm like I like I think I'm a red guy <laughs> I am like kind of that's my complexion is kind of red bit ginger yeah, that's it yeah yeah my I can't make up my mind which is my favorite color of the the options that I offer I think if I was gonna get one from you though it would be something bold and bright like that because of the mm-hmm. um function of it like i've i can't right. i do camp right and i want like that's like the glow and dark the dark is such a great idea like i want to be able to mm-hmm. find this yeah totally. see it if i drop it in the water like i used to do white water canoeing and i had a knife attached to my life jacket and the handle was bright yellow yep yeah so I, you see it so i can find it totally yeah, it's really nice to have that as an option. You know, like I have multiple high visibility options now. I have the toxic green, blaze orange, which is like hunter orange. Yes. That's and great. the cherry red. That's great. And then I can do any of them with a glow liner, which yeah. is awesome. That is a very cool option. I would, I'd be hard pressed to, to, to pick, to be honest. What, what's, <laughs> what, what do you think your favorite is? I have no idea. Every time someone orders something new, I'm like, oh, goddamn, this is my favorite now. Mm, you know what would be just badass is black with like what you're doing black with the 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 glow in the dark the glow in the dark liners yeah yeah and that that is definitely one of my favorites is the black and green mm-hmm. um so yeah like one of the big differences that i'm doing with my glow in the dark is that it actually has like a really nice daylight color yeah i i was explaining this to tim mm-hmm. um my, my brother and it's something that i never even thought about because when i picture glow in the dark material it's like pale light yeah, that pale, shitty pale green kind of color. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, I guess you could call it green. It's like almost white. Yeah. Yeah, and they're pretty much all like that. But I'm I'm actually able to change. I haven't tried it yet, but theoretically, I should be able to do like orange daylight mm-hmm. and green at night. That's wicked. Um, the, the nighttime color is always, I, so actually, I was going to say the nighttime color is always the same. That's not true. I can actually order like 16 different colors. Variations prob- of, this, of green? No, no, like orange. You really? can get like glow in the dark orange. Ooh, yeah. that would be cool. I want that. Yeah, the problem is that green is the brightest and lasts the longest. Yeah, because they have to change the chemistry to change the color. Okay. So, um, I think the second brightest is aqua. Oh, that would be cool too. Yeah. So this is what like guitar side dots like to so you can see the fingerboard. Mm-hmm. Um, green and aqua are. are the two colors that I know of the of the glow in the dark ones, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're talking about letting you know having it last 24 hours. What what does orange last? Eight? 
I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I, 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 like that would be enough. Still, I would so, maybe take that um, for the novelty value. Sure, I mean, eight yeah. hours is plenty. Yep. You know, if well, it was like one hour, maybe I'd reconsider. But the company that I ordered my glow in the dark material from is called Technoglow, um, and they have a ton of colors on their website. So Very sweet. Go check it out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, t- so today's episode is just going to be us shooting the shit because yeah, neither of us say... have had the time to do segments. Like, yeah. I, I haven't looked at any space stuff this week. I haven't looked at anything. No, I have looked at some space stuff. Oh, I'm reading a book right now. Okay. I read it about ten minutes at night when I can and I fall <laughs> asleep. But it's Dad the life. history of astronomy. Oh, cool. So that's my my space info is going to be pretty dated. <laughs> Historicals, yeah, space, his space history, yeah. So like Alexandria, um, mm. and uh, you know, trying to decipher the distance from the Earth to the Sun by right. like uh, triangulation. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, um, really high quality mirrors for making telescopes were probably one of the first instances of like really high precision objects. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and that'd be grinding. They would have been grinding those, right? Yeah. And you, um, so there's a really cool, um, I found a really cool video on YouTube of a guy. He's a professor from the States, uh, an astronomy professor. I think he died recently, but he teaches, classes or taught classes on how to grind a telescope mirror by hand well because i guess using... it would have been the scientists who wanted them that yeah were doing it a lot of the times and to do this he's using literally nothing other than pitch so like y- yeah. you know tree sap basically um and um i forget the abrasive that he's using but it's could be like um what's that like a uh, powdered vulcan uh Volcano rock? <laughs> Powdered volcano rock. Obsidian? No. Um, it's, it's not like aluminum oxide. It's, it's like cerium oxide, maybe? Oh, okay. It's so, something much harder, though. I no, it's pretty use... soft. It's pretty okay. soft. Um, but yeah, and he's literally got like a class of people in his backyard sitting on wooden benches with like, you know, a form made out of like tree wax, like pitch. And then grinding these huge slabs of glass to make perfect telescope mirrors. Wow. And these things are like... And that's precision? Two feet in diameter. You know, like, they're huge. And yeah, so they do this process called... Um, I think, believe it's called coloring, where basically you shine the reflection from your mirror on a big surface, and you just use the variations in light intensity to... Um, see how close it is to being perfectly spherical. Um, and then you just, you know, grind a little bit more in one spot. And and that whole process just intrinsically becomes extremely accurate. That's wild. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Um, pumice was the word I was looking for. Oh, yes. It might have been something like that. Because I'm pretty sure that they would have just been using like a n- natural rock. I think up. pumice is one of the oldest abrasives mm. used for, you know, this sort of thing. Like, right. I, mean, I, we, one of the first guitar finishes we ever did was a uh, shellac, French right. polish, and we used pumice as an abrasive. 
I remember uh, you guys going through that process. That mm. was a very long process. Oh man, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something you can easily do by hand with with cheap materials. Right. Uh, yeah, and you know that that's this. So this professor, his whole goal was to like let people build really high power telescopes at home. That's so for that's like so cool. What a wicked hobby that would be. Right. So. Um, yeah, he's so he basically they're building reflector telescopes. So you have a mirror at the bottom and then an eyepiece at the top in the middle. And the light goes around the eyepiece, bounces off the mirror, the curved mirror at the bottom, and then goes back up into the eyepiece and out the side. Um, and these telescopes are huge. Like, really? I'm talking like six feet long, two feet in diameter. And like, you know, you're looking at like one part of a crater on the moon. Right. Like really high powered telescopes. Um, and they're making them for like under a thousand bucks, like well under a thousand bucks. The outside tube of it is actually um, one of those big paper tubes that they use for forming concrete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like cardboard. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Oh. Like it's like paperboard. Wow. You know, and then like the, the inside assembly that holds the mirror in place is like made out of three bits of wood and you kind of like hammer it into place. You look through the telescope at night oh. to like align it. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. once it's in place, you just like hot glue it. You <laughs> know, like it's it's crazy, man. Like, and it's, you see some of the images that you get, he gets through these telescopes and it's like, holy crap. Man, that's sick. Okay. Link in, uh, in bio or whatever. Yes, sir. Link in the show notes. Show notes. So yeah, you know, like ast astronomy's had definitely like huge impact on like the kind of precision that people have been seeking over time. Sure, yeah. I mean, and astronomy's kind of tied to horology in a way, mm -hmm. and the the like latitude and longitude. Was it, which one came first? Which one came second? Oh, I have no idea. One of them was like easy, and then I think mm. latitude was like it took ages to to figure out that's also a great book i read a while ago um, what, what was that how to find uh it was about the the search for the the how to calculate latitude mm. right yeah we i mean we don't even think about that stuff these days we just have no. gps you know yeah. but like yeah imagine sailing a ship across the ocean with like dead reckoning and a hand-drawn map <laughs> no, like yeah it's just crazy yeah um no not for me I, i'll just uh you know we now we don't even have a fucking a map in our car you know you used to have like mm -hmm. i remember my mom pulling over on the side of the road with one of those books where it's yes, like the, yeah. the next it says you know the next map on this side is page 53 yeah, to flip through. Yeah, I yeah. actually, I actually have one in the trunk of my car with the spare tire because Catherine's, my wife's mom, insisted we have one. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, not a bad idea. Yeah, if all your phones die. You know, yeah, yeah. At least you know where you are. Exactly. Uh, okay, so we talked about space. Do we have any um, questions? <laughs> there were some, uh, but I honestly haven't had time to look through them. Um, one of our listeners, DLK, DL Knife on Instagram, uh, was asking whether we had looked at Swiss ladies. Oh, I have uh, 
not looked at them, but I've I've watched like some videos on Swift Blaze because I think they're cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. He was saying if you if I ever decide to produce my own Corby bolts, that's the way to go fast. And yes, I 100% agree, Dave. Uh, a Swiss lathe would be amazing. Um, and one my one of my fellow knife makers, John Grimsmo, who's getting two shoutouts this episode. Uh, he has an awesome podcast too called Business and Machining. Um, yeah, he has a Swiss lathe, and mm. that thing looks terrifying to program. <laughs> he does it all by hand too, right? All hand coded. Yeah, and I think most Swiss lathe guys do. Right. Um, There's not. They don't have. Um, I guess cam would be really complicated. I don't. I don't know why they. They look crazy. I don't know what the hell's going on in one of those things. You know, and it's full yeah, of you've oil, got like... and it's just like a bomb. <laughs> yes. So did um. They blow up all the time. Yeah, they, <laughs> I, I saw. Think a... it's, I don't think it's re- really that uncommon. But... So there's a guy that I follow on Instagram. I think his Instagram is Knife Screws. Um, he was machining hardened seventeen four stainless in his Swiss, and it caught fire. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess there's a lot of like vaporized cutting oil inside the machine, and then you're potentially producing sparks and heat. Yeah, and yeah, you just saw this like boom and like you know, smoke starts jetting out of the, the corners. And then his machine has an automated um, fire, fire suppression. suppression system. Yeah, I think they have to. Right. I've been looking into that a little bit, actually, because I want to start running more unattended. Mm-hmm. And I've done that in the past. I've never had an issue. Um, I think that for what I do, it's fairly low risk. But I am using a vacuum system. Yes. And I'm machining G10, which... It's not, it's supposed to actually, so there's two grades of G10. There's G10 and then there's G10 FR4 and the FR4 stands for flame retardant. Okay. So I've never tried lighting the G10 dust that I produce on fire, but there's a good chance that it'll burn because it's dust. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So you got to be careful, especially with vacuum. I mean, I was, I tried thicknessing celluloid acetate. Oh, type of plastic ones <laughs> right. with vacuum, and it's just a big fireball right through the the vacuum uh, mm. duct. Yeah, and celluloid is extremely flammable. It sure was. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I'm sure you won't appreciate me saying this, but you guys have amazing guitar picks that are <laughs> yeah. celluloid. Yeah, and right after you gave me a couple of them, I insisted on setting one on fire in your parking lot. <laughs> uh, i yeah. think you saw that right because they burn amazingly they well. do and i'm gonna need 25 cents for that <laughs> destruction of my property uh, yeah, yeah like those, seeing those celluloid burn is crazy i've it's funny i gave one to um like uh my wife's cousin who was like 12 at the time and i was like mm-hmm. these are very flammable <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure yeah I, I, if you'd said that to me at his age i would have been like thanks dude. sick yeah <laughs> let's burn it <laughs> um yeah and i mean there's been a bunch of fires over the years in like uh theaters and in places that oh, store yeah. old school film because yeah. like you're talking like hundreds of feet of thin celluloid film that's yeah. very very tender flammable. yeah um cool so, well, was that exciting about pipe bombs and was it exciting to to almost burn your shop down uh, it got my heart pumping. I bet. I bet. So there's a product that you might be interested in. Uh, it is called Blaze Cut. 
Sounds um, sick. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> so I've I've been looking at it for a while. They're a little expensive, but I think that it might be worthwhile. So basically, it is a clean agent fire suppression. So you know, like carbon dioxide is a clean agent. It doesn't like cover all your electronics in right awful corrosive powder you know but then there are other clean agents that are like um halon is one of them and you know there's just other things that are like much better at putting out fires okay than co2 so basically blaze cut they make tubes like plastic tubes filled with really high pressure clean agent fire suppression stuff and then you put it inside your machine or whatever like you or in your vacuum and when there's a fire, it melts the tube, and then the fire suppression agent is released automatically and puts out the fire. Yeah, that's awesome. I would like that everywhere. Uh, I'm scared yeah. of yeah. fire. So they are a bit on the pricey side. I'm just on their website right now. An 84-inch long blaze cut system um, is 300 bucks US. Oh, I thought it's, that was going to be way more. No, it's not bad. But like, if you were to put it everywhere, then yeah, you're going to spend thousands of dollars. Right. Um, but yeah, man, like if that's something you're worried about, there are systems out there mm-hmm. that do it. That's um, good to know. Yeah. And there are also like dry powder fire extinguishers with like a sprinkler head attached to them. Right. Um, so you could like put one in your house and if it catches on fire, it'll, you know, the little glass thing will burst and then the fire extinguisher will spray everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a thing. Yeah, well, you have fire suppression in the spray booth, mm. which is mandatory, right? Because uh, we're spraying particulated cellul- um, uh, nitrocellulose, <laughs> which yeah, again, <laughs> it's oil based, right? Very finely particulated. Um, so when we were replacing the spray booth fan, I had to make sure I didn't uh, knock one of them, mm. one of the sprinkler heads. I was nervous about that. Well, so you may not know this. Another name for nitrocellulose is gun cotton. Oh, and gun cotton is one of the most powerful chemical explosives known to man. Oh, good. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad to know. <laughs> I I imagine what we're using is probably somewhat <laughs> different. Um, I don't know if it is. Okay, I don't know why I think that. I'm trying to stay on the positive side. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think it blows up in your case because it's full of solvent, so it's just going to burn anyway. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've definitely crossed the gamut today. Yeah, as you said, we've talked about uh, pipe bombs, accidental or otherwise. Uh-huh. Uh, burning guitar picks. We've Tooling? got ourselves blacklisted, I think. <laughs> God. Dude, all the things that I Google sometimes, I'm like, oh, nitrocellulose <laughs> sounds interesting. How do you make that stuff? <laughs> Or I, I said to Craig, you know, a couple of months ago, um, one of the YouTube channels that I love is called Tech Ingredients. And the, you know, the guy just makes all sorts of crazy stuff. And he's been on a kick of making rocket motors, solid oh. rocket motors recently. Cool. Um, and, you know, so you have to get, you know, all sorts of different chemicals to put in these rocket motors. And I, I start Googling them and it turns out a bunch of them are controlled substances in Canada. Uh-huh. And they'll totally get you on a, you know, this guy might make bombs kind of <laughs> list, right? So, yeah, I'm sure I'm on a list somewhere. Yeah, especially as like an, you know, uh, repatriated person. 
I love for everyone that's listening. I love Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's be clear. All right. So you should not sh- let him back to Australia, though. Yeah, if, no. If you know what's good for you. I don't like Australia. <laughs> no, that's not true. I do like Australia mainly for the weather. What's wrong with our weather? Uh, I've never been to Australia. It looks hot. It's beautiful. <laughs> you should go. All right. Is that a show? Yeah. 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 I think so. Well, it was awesome to talk with you, as always. Um, Likewise. I hope everyone enjoyed our ramblings. We will try to have some space news for next week. I, too, love space news and segments in general, so we'll try to get some. Uh, if you want us to go back to Aaron Reed's Mead comments, then go on my YouTube channel and just talk shit to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Hope everyone has an awesome week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.